Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. When we come around. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty Year 1090, your 50,000-watt sports leader from Baja to the Canadian Rockies. And as I mentioned in the first segment, this is the one-year one year anniversary of the show. We started the show on October 7th, 2020. And to commemorate this amazing moment, I thought I need to bring in a Hall of Famer. I need to bring in someone who has a statue outside of Staples Center. And who, who do I call? My main man, president of your Los Angeles Kings, Luke Robitaille. Luke, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you doing, bud? I'm good. Uh, we do our show from Manhattan Beach. And Jihei, my producer and co-host, a longtime friend. I mean, the, the moment I decided to move here, Luke, was when uh, you guys won the cup in 2012 and then 2014. And the way that I saw this community get around the Kings, you know, all of yeah. your players live in the South Bay. At what point did the South Bay become the home of so many players and coaches yeah it, it, it's uh it, it's been a little bit of a time but i would say the time the point that it became like the the king spot is probably rob blake uh coming in in the in the early 90s and he was there and then he bought like a, a i think it was like a, not a house on the strand he's on the strand now but uh and then it seems like uh, around the min uh, 1990 91 it seemed okay. like all the guys started like uh moving there I, gretz and i we both lived in uh, gretz was in uh, woodland hills when <laughs> When he started, I was in Sherman. The rest of the team was all in the South Bay, you know, like so it's kind of that I, I, I would say we call Rob Blake the mayor of uh, the South Bay. So <laughs> that's probably when it started. <laughs> uh, Luke, I'm very excited about this upcoming season. One of the things I'm really excited about is the new TV contract that you guys have. And I don't want to knock the previous deal, but I just think having this new TV contract with uh, Turner and um, ESPN and having that cross-platform. I mean, so many people will see highlights that maybe have not seen it. Talk about how important this new TV deal is. And I, I just think the, the, the spotlight will finally once again become the, the, the thing that we, like, again, if, you, you, if you're not familiar with hockey and you're watching SportsCenter, you will be f- familiar yeah, you know, it was big for us. I mean, for us to have the opportunity first to go on TNT and like, look, I, I'm not a, I don't, I always joke that I don't have time to watch that many other sports, you know, because of my life and it's all around, around hockey. But if I'm flipping channels and I see Shaq and the whole crew on TNT, I do. I watch the show because it's funny and it's fun. It's entertaining. I might not even watch the game. But I'll watch them because they are really good. So when TNT came on board, I was like, I hope we could get that. You know, yeah. we can get to that place where irrelevant of the game, you want to watch the guys in between because it becomes a little bit more important. And the second thing, obviously, signing with ESPN for, for us is, is a great thing. I, I always tell people, when you go to, a, let's say you go to a sports bar or something and they open up at 11 a.m., let's say, the first thing that people that work behind the bar, they turn on the TV. That's what they always do. And 99% of the time, they're already on ESPN. They're not 
searching for another channel yeah. unless someone asks. And so, so the fact that will be more like on the on the news package and so forth. They're not just going to show fights anymore. They're probably going to show more goals and everything. <laughs> I think that's going to be really good for our game. For for from that standpoint, I'm really excited. Uh, Luke, give us a feel of this season. The season begins Thursday night against the Vegas Golden Knights. And whenever they have the success, I always tease, like, this this was Luke's fault. When the Kings ran Las Vegas, you guys had the first outdoor game in Las Vegas. You guys made Vegas a hockey town. It is still amazing, Luke, when I go out there and I, and I see how much that community supports that team, loves that team. But you guys open up the season Thursday night at Staples Center um, against Las Vegas. Give, give the fans out there a sense of what this team will, will look like. Uh, like uh, it, it got uh, it got cut off here, Arash. Oh. Uh, but like uh, I think it's my side. I, I'm really sorry, but uh, but you're asking about our team. What, yes, what yeah. Like? What yeah. what will the team so look like this year? Yeah, like uh, you know, we've had like uh, we we announced like a couple of years ago that we were going to rebuild a little bit our franchise. I mean, we've been fortunate. We won two championships. The way our league works in a in a hard cap, it's really hard to. To, to to keep com competing every year and what i mean by that is like you can find a way to try to make your team to win to get in the playoffs but to actually build it to give you a chance to win it all you gotta kind of have to to step backward a little bit and and move forward so i think for us like we're excited now because this is the first year that we told our players we told everyone we told our season seat holders we told all of our fans that we're turning the page we're done with the rebuild and we're going the other way we're going the uptick now and that's why this summer we we traded to add some scoring on the kid arvidson then we signed uh, the free agent philip Deneau, and then we we added a defenseman in Edler just that would stabilize some of our young defensemen and help them. So we're we're excited that we're we're going the other way. There's like a, and I and when you're a player and you come in the room and you know the team is like, okay, guys, there's no more excuse. Like we we got it. We we're here to win. And uh, everything that we talk about is we're trying to build this team to give us a chance to win another cup. So that's the way we, we're looking at it uh, going into this season. The goal is to definitely take a step in the other direction. We're going to do something really cool on the show tomorrow and then next week. We will be giving out two pairs of tickets. So two tickets on uh, Friday, two tickets next week for the very first game of this season. Luke, the fans, you guys knew how important the fans were, but but. Like until you lose the fans, you don't know that. And, and and to have fans back at these games, I mean, Kings fans are so passionate. I keep telling people, you gotta go to a hockey game live. You gotta go to a Kings game live. And I will say, as much as I love the Lakers, there is nothing louder than Staples Center during Kings playoff games. Luke, how important will it be to have fans back at full capacity again? It, it's huge. I mean, you know, even listening to our players' comments in these preseason where they're saying it is so much more fun to have fans in the stands, to hear the roar of the crowd, like, and, and to feel like, you know, as you come out of the zone and you feel the emotion and so forth, it's, it's going to take our game to another level. And, and you know what's funny is when you're a player, you know about it, but that's the way you've lived your whole life. But when you miss something is when you really miss it. So I think every one of us, including management and everyone, we're really appreciating getting our fans back now.
My uh, producer and co-host, Jihi, reminded me that you uh, had some time in New York. He's a big New York uh, sports fan, Luke. Uh, <laughs> Jihi, what, what would you like to say to Luke Robitaille? Well, first, first, uh, Monsieur Robitaille, I'd just like to say bonjour. Um, I, I, loved your, I loved your cameo in How I Met Your Mother. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh awesome. It was so, so cool. It was a Robin Sparkles episode. It's, uh, anyways, I'm a, huge, I'm a huge fan. Um, not only of you in that episode, but you um, as a player, obviously. Um, in January of 99, you scored your 500th career goal, which is monumental in and of itself um but you scored it at the great western forum which yeah you know nobody plays in anymore um against the buffalo sabers my um my question is uh could you describe your memories and what it was like there because you just actually led me into my um into my question um what was it like as a player to play at the forum because not anybody really knows anymore what it was like over there yeah well uh, you know it was uh I, I clearly remember coming in 1986 when uh, people would say, like, you know, being from Canada, they would say, oh, Los Angeles and hockey, and it's not that, you know, it's not going to last and so forth. But I remember coming in and for hockey at the forum, it was 16,005. <laughs> that was the amount of fans for a sellout. And I remember my first year where every night there would be 13, 14,000 people. And I kept saying, man, there are more fans here than city like the New York Islanders were in those days in the late 80s when, when the team had, after they'd won the cup, they couldn't draw more than 5,000 people. So I was like, I think LA is more popular than a lot of teams. People would be shocked. And, and for me, I loved it because I, I really felt there was a certain passion for the people that attended the games. But then I was very fortunate to live the Wayne Gretzky era. And that was absolutely fantastic where the roar of the fans, then we ended up going to the finals in 93. And it was just something that uh, it was very hard for us to describe because it was like so special. And all of us kind of feel uh, like we, we lived an era that was uh, that, that probably will never be seen again. And it's very hard in sports. I mean, you could, you could say getting uh, LeBron James in, in LA for the Lakers, it's, kind of like that but getting Wayne Gretzky changed the game for us next thing you know we had a team in Anaheim a team in San Jose a team in Miami a team in Tampa Bay Dallas Phoenix I mean this it was all after Gretzky came to LA like it's it was amazing but to to see like what you talk about the forum where there was just that one area people could walk around and see everyone and it was like it was really special we really uh I cherish those days yeah, I have one yeah. more. Yeah. I have one, sorry about no, this. No, no, no. I have one more personal question um, because I love food so much. Um, my myself and my roommate, you were quoted by saying that your favorite uh, jelly was a sour cream plain. Is that true, or, or was that just for the show? And um, do you also love your quid de past de castors? Do you do you eat them as well? Which is literally translated as a beaver tail for those that don't oh, yeah, know. What beaver, beaver tail. Yeah. Well, yeah. I played. Well, it, it was not really in Montreal the beaver tail. It was like in Ottawa. Right. That's right. Is, yeah. And that's why I played my junior hockey. And it, it, you know, as you know, the outdoor there, the river freezes, and you could go skate. So 
Yes, I did like the beaver tail. And we used to go when I was like, so I, I kind of feel for me, I grew up because I was there from 16 to 19 years old. So it's a big part of your life. And so we would try to get like, you know, a bunch of guys, we'd try to go skate and we were trying to be cool and see if we could get a date or something. It never worked, <laughs> by the way. Uh, but uh, that, was, that was our big thing. And yeah, so sh- it was a little bit part of the script because if I'd say about Tim Hortons, the biggest thing that I would order for me would be the uh, the uh, banana nut uh, uh, muffin. That's my favorite <laughs> there. And uh, there's nothing like their coffee, by the way. It's oh, yeah. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> I, I miss Tim Hortons. You know, we used to have the, uh, what was it? The Redondo Beach Cafe used to do like a really good job with the Canadian yeah, things. Right. And they used to bring it. That's right. I that's think right. they had it done. The guy was from Quebec. That's right. Yeah, yeah he was. Uh, Luke, I cannot believe we are coming up on 10 years since when the Kings won the uh, cup. I guess a two-part question. I mean, what made that team so special? Because it kind of came out of nowhere. They get into to the playoffs one of the last seeds and they just went on this heck of a run during the playoffs. I had never seen anything like it. Describe that team. And now that we're coming up on 10 years, you guys have something planned. Yeah. So the the biggest thing about that team is like, uh, well, for years, for over 40 years, the LA Kings organization was always a little impatient. So we were known to, to trade our draft picks for years and years and years. And in 2007, our, we got a new GM in Dean Lombardi, and we already had a good base. We had Anze Kopitar, Dustin Brown, uh, Jonathan Quick was already part of the team. And But the, the goal at the time was, okay, let's not trade any draft pick. Let's build from within. Let's have guys that it means something in their heart to play for the LA Kings. It's not you just – sometimes when you trade from another team, you still want to be a player, but when, when the team drafts you, it's special and it means something. So we started to rebuild. And then around 2010, we knew we were getting a good team. And we made the playoffs, got on the first round. 2011, we made the playoffs, got on the first round. But And then that summer, we started trading away because we had so many prospects, a few players that, that would kind of fill the holes. Because once you have, like, enough players to come on your team, it's not like a nothing against other sports, but, like, as an example, in the NBA, if you get two really good players – you're re- you have a real good shot. If God forbid you get three, <laughs> you're a contender. In hockey, you need you know eight as your base, and then you need another five or six to really be part of the core. So you need 13, 14, 15 guys, and you have only 20 guys at play. So you really need to build it. It takes time. So in 2011, we made a few trades. We got like a player like Mike Richards. Then during the season, Jeff Carter, and the the season was up and down. But we had a good base and we were playing the right way. And what happened is in March, we started playing the way we were expected to play. And then in April, we played real, we played really well. And by the time we got in the playoff, even though we came in as an eight seed, we probably had the most amount of wins for about a month. And <clears throat> we got in the playoffs and I, I've never seen a team where you watch the entire team where everybody sacrifice a little bit of their personal gain for the better good of the the cause and we ended up winning and it was amazing because we won in the least amount of games of stanley cup in the history of the league mm-hmm. then <clears throat> two years later we were down if you remember we were down three nothing and and so forth then two years later when we won 
we won the Stanley Cup in the most amount of games, <laughs> which is really interesting about that team. It just shows how much character those guys are. It was they were it was a very special group. How competitive is the Los Angeles market right now? I mean, it is incredible just what we have going on here. Because, again, when you guys won your two cups, we had no pro football. Now we got the Rams, we got the Chargers, we got SoFi Stadium, we got the Clippers. They just broke ground on their new arena, the Lakers with LeBron. I mean, um, how hard is it to kind of make a, a path where you're like, hey, listen, we won two cups in three years. We've been here forever how competitive is Los Angeles now? Well, first of all, LA has always been competitive. I mean, you can you can have dinner next to the biggest star, no one seems to care. You know, yeah. that's just Los Angeles, and that's you got to know your your market. And for us, I think what's important is we know the Kings fans are super loyal. Yeah, they love us and they they, they support us. Now, when you win. You could grow that a little bit, but you just got to stick to your lane and know you got to do things right and act like you belong. It's Los Angeles. You got to win in this town. There, people think there's less pressure because there's so many. There's more pressure because you yeah. absolutely have to win. You you got to make a dent and you got to show that you're willing to win, like you're trying to win every year, and that's it's very important. But is it more competitive today than it was a few years ago? I'm not sure. I think it's always like football's always been around in, yeah. in LA. You know, we're, we've always been there. I think what's more important is for us to do things and act like who we are. We know what we mean to the city of LA. We know what we mean to our fans. And we got to make sure that uh, we communicate with them and they understand what we're trying to do. Is there some things that are getting I mean, you guys have always done a great job pregame. I've always told fans when they when they go to the game, show up there early because of the light show and stuff like that. Um, now that fans are going to be back and for, for the first time in a long time since March of 2020. Yeah. Are there certain things that you guys are doing? Can you give fans like a, a, a kind of a preview of, of, of what to expect, I guess? Oh, yeah. You, we're changing everything. So you you know if you've been coming to Kings game for a few years you got to you got to come back because the whole show is going to be totally different the presentation of the game is going to be totally different like a, I always tell like a, our entire staff I say you know what, what when you play the game inside the game you we respect that and that's the game and we got to get those young players and we're going to be fun to watch and we're going to be really fast but everything else outside let's never forget it's entertainment Let's have fun with it. Let's make sure our fans enjoy themselves. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'll tell you what, we, we, we got this new gentleman that's working with, with us. His name is Wonton Davis, and he's, do, <laughs> he's doing the production of our, of our game. And last year, we had no fans, and we'd be sitting, and there were some nights we weren't playing real well, and we were like, well, at least we got good music. <laughs> and it was so sad. There were no one in the stands, no noise, but... So I think our fans are, go are going to be in for a surprise this year, and they're going to really enjoy the show. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the seasons, like, I'm really looking forward to what is this team going to look like? Because I, I do think you guys are going to surprise some people. Real, real quick, we got two more minutes. The, the expansion rules where I don't think we're going to see what happened in Las Vegas again, but Seattle Kraken coming in, and people think that they can make some noise. Do you like the expansion rules where a team in their first year can be a contending team? 
Well, yeah, I think it's better for our game. I mean, way back when, when we had expansion in the late '90s and and the and the uh, yeah the mid '90s and late '90s, the rules were you, you could protect roughly 14 or 15 players out of a 23 man roster. So it was really hard for the expansion team to come in and 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 start good. So it would take them almost eight, nine, ten years oh, wow. to build a, a good franchise. Now we can only protect 11 players. So it's it's really seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie. Or if you want to protect four defensemen, you can only protect nine players out of 23. So they're for sure, if they do their job well, they can pick one of your top nine forwards or one of your top four defensemen for right. sure. And it, it really gives them an opportunity. Obviously, last time, I think most of the teams around the NHL were – were a little gung-ho about losing players, so they made, like, silly trades with <laughs> Vegas. Vegas took advantage of it. That yeah. didn't happen this time. Like, everybody had learned their lesson. Yeah. So Seattle, what they did strategically, they picked players that they'll probably be able to trade later, and they'll they'll be able to get some asset. But that being said, they got a very competitive team, so they're going to be competitive every night. Awesome. Well, Luke, thank you so much for coming on the show. We are very excited about the first game of the season, Los Angeles Kings. Go, Kings, go. Luke, thank you so much. We appreciate it. That's all the time we all have right. for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, Southern California, this is Arash Markazi saying, take care and be safe. The Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. Flawless. Come on. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show, a very special edition of the show where we are focusing on Kobe Bryant, the life that he lived and the impact that he had on Los Angeles and California and really the world. And, and I was lucky enough prior to the first game of the 2019-20 season, Lakers-Clippers opening night, Staples Center. I got to sit down with Kobe um, at his place of work, at his office in Costa Mesa. Fun fact, he actually was uh, right next to the Chargers facility in Costa Mesa, um, which was a really long, long drive for me. Um, and so Kobe had 20 minutes, and he basically said we could talk over the phone or you can come by the office i really wanted to see him in person because obviously at that point he has, he was retired and i wasn't sure when i was going to get to see him again also because the last time i saw him was one month into my weight loss journey again as i mentioned i had lost some weight kobe complimented me which was really nice of him and at that point when i saw kobe for the last time i had lost 130 pounds like i really wanted to, him to see the final product i wanted to sit down with him i wanted to spend some time with him and i'm so blessed that i got to do that and not only did i get to spend time with kobe we, you know we we talked about gianna we talked about the mamba sports academy we talked about what he wanted to do post-career how he wanted to be remembered and so you know when i when i when i Listen to our conversation now. I'm so glad we got to touch on some of these topics. And um, and also one of the cool things about this conversation was, you know, I never really take pictures with the people that I that I cover. But uh, during this moment, you know, Kobe was like, we should take a picture because you've lost all this weight. And while we're uh, chatting, um, someone was taking pictures as well. So it was just a cool moment that I'm so blessed that I that I got to, a chance to uh, talk with them. But um, Again, here is my final sit-down 
with Kobe Bryant, which took place the night before, the day before the 2019-2020 season. The Mamba, like what you've done with that name. So I want to start with like the Mamba League. You and Nike had a relationship that went way back. The partnership there, and not only that, but to have it boys and girls. It's almost like a 50-50 thing. If you can explain like where did the idea come from and working with them to make this league. Well, you know, looking at youth basketball um, and the way that it's currently constructed, uh, I wanted to create something that... Uh, could teach kids how to play the game properly. Mm-hmm. Like growing up in Italy, we had a league called mini basket, and I played in mini basket. And the baskets were smaller. Yeah, the dimensions of the courts were smaller, the size of the ball was smaller. And what that enabled us to do is that enabled us to shoot with proper form. Yeah, that enabled us to use our imaginations, so we can do some of the things that the pros would be doing. Yeah, you know, like finishing around the rim and all that sort of stuff. Because kids now are you know, eight, nine years old trying to play on 10-foot hoops. It's yeah. not work, man. Mm-hmm. And they're playing on the same size court. It's like, yeah. you can't, you know, you wind up having like 10 kids underneath a basket just kind of chucking that shit <laughs> up there. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to create something where kids could learn structure, yeah. learn ball movement, and learn how to shoot properly. The youth sports is so important for you. What What is it about helping the youth? Because I know there's so many pros and college players that want to work with you, but you've really focused on youth uh, sports. Yeah, well, there's such a, um, you know, I think coaching uh, young kids is the most important thing we can do as, um, you know, if you think about a teacher in a classroom, a teacher in a classroom, you teach a curriculum, provide quizzes, tests, things mm-hmm. of that nature. But the thing that's missing from the classroom is the emotional element that kids are going through. Yeah. So if I'm sitting in the classroom, I'm learning critical thinking, I'm learning about history, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Yeah. But when you're playing, there's an emotional element to it that each kid goes through from play to play. Yeah. So that makes them more emotionally uh, open, more vulnerable, and also more powerful. Yeah. And so as as coaches, if we are not conscious of that, we can do a lot of damage yeah. to children with the roll of the eyes mm-hmm. or like a yell or things of that nature, which can also help them in a really positive way. Yeah. But it's not something that we take very seriously. Yeah. We think it's sports, you just kinda of go out there sure. and try. Yeah. No, it needs a lot of care. And so I look at that from that standpoint, and that's why I love working with young kids because it's a great opportunity to not just prepare them for the game but put them on the path to hopefully prepare them for life yeah and the struggles that'll you know inevitably come you've been such a supporter of girls basketball female basketball i've seen you at so many games and you coach um talk about the evolution of that game and the league and and you know not to toot your own home but like the fact that you're involved, I think, helps shed more light on it, hopefully. Yeah, well, um, I just love the game in general. And I've always been a big supporter of it. Obviously, um, you know, going back to watching Tanika mm-hmm. play and us growing up together uh, in Italy and watching her do her thing at Tennessee and then in Indiana. So I've, I've always been a kind of a huge supporter yeah. of the women's game. And then having daughters, yeah. the one in particular that really wants to play ball. Uh, the other one plays volleyball. 
and just trying to enhance the women's game, not just in basketball, but in volleyball and other sports, is extremely important, man. And anything that I can do to help, uh, I'm going to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, like when we play our games, we just had the Mamba Cup, and we have all these teams that we compete against. Yeah. But it's always very important that I communicate to my team and to the other coaches that we may be seeing other players that this is a joint effort. Yeah. This is a joint effort to raise the women's game. You and Gigi seem to be attached to the hip. You know, when you're when you're at these games and yeah. she's watching, um, and when you see clips, I'm sure you see it firsthand. But I'm like, that looks like Kobe. I mean, talk about the relationship you guys have in terms of her mannerisms and how competitive she is, and, and things like yeah, that. I mean, she is, it's, it's a trip to see her move uh, and some of the, <laughs> you know, the expressions that she makes, and you know. Um, it's a trip. Yeah. Like genetics. Yeah. <laughs> genetics is a real thing, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but what I love about Gigi is her uh, curiosity about the game. She's very curious about yeah. the game. And even in a very heated situation in a game where it's very competitive and back and forth, she can detach herself and come over and yeah. ask a very specific question, you know, which is not common. Right? Even in, like, in a moment where it's kind of tense, She'll come over and say, okay, you know, on this particular trap here, when I'm trying to close the gap and she's getting on the outside, but I need to change the angle a little bit there. Like, wow. very specific questions. Yeah. And, you know, all of our girls can do that. Um, but that's uh, the part that I think is most exciting is that it's her curiosity uh, and her ability to think critically yeah. in tight situations. This is pretty pretty damn cool. If you're a girls player, you, you kind of want to go to Connecticut usually, and she likes Diana Taurasi. I mean, that's pretty far from home. I mean, could you envision your, your good friend and your d- daughter that big <laughs> next to you? Well, you know, it's, it's uh, as parents, you know, it's, uh, you never want to see your kids leave home. <laughs> but, you know, eventually they have to. Yeah. Right? And so, but, but that's the thing about sports and making sure you you, know, you hope as parents when you send your kids off to school they have good teachers and good mentors in the classroom you hope that whether they're playing club soccer volleyball swimming basketball lacrosse they have good coaches there with them that are preparing them that are consciously that understand yeah. the importance of preparing the kids for when they leave home and when they're offering their own and they have to make these decisions yeah. you know so then you can trust the fact that okay yeah, you gotta open up the kids. That's right. Go, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're at a great point in like Los Angeles sports where like when we were kids and I grew up here, we had the Olympics in 1984, we had the World Cup in 92, we had a Super Bowl, and now this generation of kids are going to get that with the 2028 Olympics, 2026 World Cup will have games here. What can those big events do for youth sports and kids watching the World Cup and Olympics f- firsthand? Well, it depends what we use from it. I mean, aside yeah. from just the inspiration of the moment and getting more kids active and more kids excited about playing the game, uh, young women in particular. Yeah. Um, it's also what we do with it, right? And some of the connections that we're able to build or the systems we're able to put in place to help coaches be better, mm-hmm. to help them understand how to connect with kids more, how to teach kids better, yeah. um, how to uh, connect with parents, yeah. understand parents, how to parent 
better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. with the differences between pushing and pulling and, you know, uh, putting too much pressure. In yeah. Paper. So if we can use these big moments to create systems in place where we can help educate, mm -hmm. help change things for the better, then it can have a very, very long-lasting impact versus just an inspiration type of thing. Yeah. What was the Mamba Pro Invitational like? That seemed like such an exclusive event, and there was this, um, you know, Kawhi and you had the picture together, and Paul George was there for yeah. a bit. What was that like, and what did you learn? Or, uh, you know, you know Kawhi and Paul, but they're now here now, so what, what was it like to work with them? I mean, listen, they're just, they're tough. Yeah. You know, and uh, I've known them both for a very, very long time. And Paul, when he first started, and Kawhi, and they were just very inquisitive. Yeah. I remember sitting with Kawhi when uh, at an All-Star game. Uh, I can't remember what year it was. Maybe it was in L.A. Even. And he was there as a, I think it was, it was his rookie year. Yeah. Kawhi's first year was what? Was it 04? He was in the same draft class as Paul George. I'm trying to remember. Um, I can't remember yeah. what it was specifically, but we had a Nike suite at an All-Star game. And he was in the suite. I was there, and he just came sat next to me and just started peppering me with questions yeah. about the game and like summer regimen and all yeah. sort of stuff. And, um, so he had a curiosity right from the beginning and PG the same way. Okay. You know, but they're competitive on both ends of the floor. Mm -hmm. It's not like a tit for tat, like, yeah. hey, I score, you know, you can't stop me, I can't stop yeah. you. They don't, they don't believe that. It's, yeah. You know, you can't stop me, I will shut you down. Yeah. And that's a very different mentality that players have now. Not a lot of players have that, man. Yeah. Everybody wants specialists mm -hmm. that can come in and defend, and they don't. They don't believe in that. Yeah, they want to do do both. And Patrick's Patrick's better. Oh, right. right. So defensively, they're going to get after you, man. Yeah. Um, but you know, the Lakers have a lot of veterans and a lot of size. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we got two freaks of nature. So that's right. Kawhi and Paul grew up in a, a Southern California, and they both watched you growing up. Are you at all surprised that maybe they wanted to do their own thing, but they kind of chose the Clippers? Um, they, they weren't traded here, although Paul was, but he re requested the trade. Are you surprised that like they grew up in Los Angeles where they saw you and Shaq and you and Pau win, and they kind of wanted to do something different? I don't know your thoughts on... Um, I think it's just all situational. Yeah. It just depends on the moment in time. I'm sure once they take the challenge of winning independent of playing with LeBron. Yeah. So I think they enjoyed or relished the challenge of taking on something new. Yeah. I don't think it was anything that was a slight towards the Lakers. Or yeah. Like that, but I think it was just more the circumstances. Yeah. And what was already here in LA. And then when they took the challenge of building something new. Yeah. Um, I think it was more along those lines. But the Lakers did okay. They did more than okay. They just fantastic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I saw a lot of Laker fans being very disappointed about sure, it. But and rightfully so. Yeah. Like, if you get quiet here with you know, the idea, it's right. <laughs> but you did get Anthony Davis. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, know, you did okay. Yeah. You did all right. You were part of two right. of the best duos, you and Shaq, and very underrated you and Powell, which went yeah. to three straight finals, one, two. How do you kind of rate these two duos? They're very unique, right? Two two-way players in Kawhi and Paul, yeah. and you got like KD and LeBron. It, it just depends on, on uh, how they mesh mm -hmm. in the system. Systems are very important. And you get guys integrating into a systematic uh, approach, offensively and defensively. Um, and, you know, 
they have to elevate each other. Mm -hmm. Most people don't get a second chance for Dwight to come back and maybe finish his career. Obviously, at a different place in his life and mind, and he realizes some of the. Are you happy that he's back and able to kind of maybe close out his career? I don't know. I'm I'm happy for him because, um, you know, sometimes we don't realize um, how much we love the game. Yeah. Or miss the game until you know that window starts closing yeah and you're like oh damn yeah Yeah, i really miss playing the game yeah i I really want another opportunity to show what i can do and uh and you don't know if that opportunity ever is going to come again yeah and so for him i believe he's really uh, appreciative of the opportunity i think he's gonna make a hell of an impact yeah because of the new appreciation that he has for playing the game was it pretty clear at the beginning, kind of early on, that that wasn't like the right fit at the right time when he came here? Like it just well, wasn't a. I mean, in all fairness, that second half of the season when I tore my Achilles. Oh yeah, you guys were in mm-hmm. league second half of the season. Yeah. So I don't know if it was a matter of it just didn't fit. Yeah. Um, you know, we had to I had to make things a little bit more contentious. Yeah. Than I wanted to, but the object is to win. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I tore my Achilles, and that kind of sidetracked everything. But that second half of the season, there's not a team in the Western Conference that wanted to play. Yeah. How closely will you watch this season? And have you made a conscious effort? Because you love the Sparks games, and I always see you at the Sparks games. It, is it? Do you do you not want to? You know, because sometimes like John Wooden would go to the UCLA games. I always felt like man, that's a lot of pressure on the current coach. Do you? Have you made a conscious effort, maybe not to? go to a lot of Laker games because you don't want to take the focus away? I don't know what... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just... uh, To be honest, like, I have my routine at home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you have a life. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I feel you. You know, um, it's not that I don't want to go. Yeah. It's just... I'd rather be giving BB a shower. I feel you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your father, Sing husband. Barney songs. And stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? No, I like, feel I, like, that I'd makes rather, sense. I've, I've gone through 20 years and like the majority of my career with my kids and Natalia and Gianna. And yeah. I've been able to have that consistently. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So for me to make the trip up to Staples Center, that means I'm missing the opportunity to spend another night with. Yeah. With my kids, and I know how fast it goes. It's not that it's sixteen. That's amazing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so like it, it's, you know, Gianna's thirteen. Yeah. Right. So that time came and went, and so I want to make sure that the days that I'm away from them are the days that I like absolutely have. To yeah. Them. Like I'd rather just be hanging with them, man. And that's why you kind of had that pro invitation, like because I think all these guys want to talk with you, and you're like, let's just do it one time, because I don't. Your time is very valuable to it you. It is, man. It is, and, and you know that was a, that was a fun invitation. Right? Yeah, I had a good time. Players all had a good time. We had a chance to walk through very finite details, yeah. of things and um, and thinking through things very specifically. I enjoyed. It. I mean, this is what we're trying to do, man. It's just trying to help the next generation of athletes you know, be better, man. That's all. Yeah. Um, when you get your statue, have you thought what you wanted it to look like? Because I, I rated the number one moment at Staples Center was you on the scores table yeah. outside of the. Have you thought about, or is that's, that something that's, 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 that's not even set up something to you? My job, my job is done. My yeah. job is trying to create the memories and the moments, and then it's somebody else's job to figure out which ones. And I think Powell's number should be the next retired. He's this might be his last year, right? Not even close, I right? I agree more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And last question, what is your, I think what you're doing right now will be just as big a part of your legacy and how we re- remember you. Is that your goal when, when people talk about you? It's like, 
youth sports and mom academy and, yeah. and just kind of you had a great career but what you, you can give back to kids and the community and youth and whatnot That's hopefully if we do it the right way yeah, um, be known for more of what we do after than we did during yeah. You know, because I think it can have a lasting impact. I mean, you're winning championships, and that's great. You build families, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But when you can create stories and create moments and events and companies that can provide opportunities uh, for a more um, uh, more diverse opportunity, yeah, um, uh, and inspire kids, yeah. and, and create situations where people can be better. I think that has a lasting impact more so than winning championships does. Thank you. So we're 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 working hard. We have a lot of work to do, but we're uh, we're doing it, man. And you never sleep, by the way. You're probably always working. I mean, <laughs> I would say I swear to guys, probably guys sleeps like two, two hours a day, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, I am. Man. Like, yeah. I take I take things very seriously. Like, mm-hmm. I'm committed to doing something. I'm committed to doing it. You know, so that requires a lot of thought being put into it, whether it's. You know, the next novels that are coming out, That's right. yeah. doing those or you know, building the animation studio or, you know, doing the show detail or, you know, coaching my kids. Yeah. Like, I got to make sure I put a lot of thought into the curriculum. How am I going to teach my kids how to play the game? Yeah. You know, you got to take your time and think through these things because they're important. Yeah. Well, that's my last conversation with Kobe Bryant. Um, I wish it wasn't, obviously. It's still surreal that it is. I uh, There's so many moments during the course of the NBA season uh, that, you know, you, you, you just wonder what Kobe would have thought. You know, what Kobe would have thought on that LeBron James play, that, that Anthony Davis last second shot. There's just so many moments that you wish he was still here. But um, nobody left a greater legacy and mark in Los Angeles sports history, in my view, than Kobe. Um, it's still so sad that he's not with us, but he left behind some amazing memories, some amazing moments, and I'm glad we got to focus on that today. So thanks for listening to this edition of the Arash Markazi Show. And in the immortal words of Kobe Bryant, Mamba out. The Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. The stage is set. It's go time. Peep the scene. We in the mix. It's 96 and rising from the Philly streets of team. Trying to find his direction and make that connection. Not knowing what to expect there. Taking it step by step there. Your weather through the rain. In your heart, in your brain. Trying to learn the terrain. Ice water in your veins. Your aim, carve a new lane Covering the canvas with your paint In a picture to end up a fixture Too large for any frame You beat the eyes by a mile All grit, no smile A new golden child You're absolutely kidding me Yeah, let's do it, mama style And then you added your chapters All in our rafters Rookie year, you won a dunk show All star in the next year then you shift it to your next gear. Gold medal as your neck wear. Back to back to back champion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.